0: What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace
1: is for everyone. Today we begin a new series as we enter the season of Lent. Lent is marked by the 40 days leading up to Easter and many of us were literally marked on Ash Wednesday. The ashes on the foreheads remind us of our mortality. We only have so much time on this earth, so we have to discipline our minds and bodies. Uh, many people will choose to give up something like chocolate or meat, and others will add something, more study, more prayer, more time helping those in need. These are all good things, but over the next few weeks, we are going to focus in on one specific spiritual discipline, and that is the studying of the scriptures. We're asking, what is the Bible, and why should we listen to it? Over the coming weeks, we'll explore topics like inspiration and inerrancy, how God speaks to us through the Bible, and how we can apply Scripture to modern problems. Uh, Joe is going to read for us our Scripture for today. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew and is what is typically referred to as the woes to the hypocrites. In the Beatitudes, we have blessed be the poor, the hungry, the pure in heart, but with the woes, it is more like cursed be the blind guides, and those who murder the prophets. Jesus maligns the scribes and Pharisees who are the religious leaders of his time. We'll hear some of the reasons for this in just a moment, uh, but here is the Gospel of Matthew with several selections from chapter 23. I invite you now to hear God's word.
0: Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier weightier matters of law, justice, and mercy, and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside also may become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. See your house is left to you, desolate, for I tell you, You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Proverbs
1: 2, 1 through 5. My child, if you accept my words and treasure of my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if indeed you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, make us an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. Open us to your word that we might be more faithful today than we were yesterday, and that tomorrow we would be even more faithful than today. Let your word edify us and build us up every day as we seek your will on this earth. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Someone shared with me this week a classic Lent joke. It involves John, the only Methodist in a Catholic neighborhood. Every Friday during Lent, John has out the grill and is cooking beef. Well, this riles up the Catholics because they only eat fish on Fridays during Lent, so they decide they're going to convert him. They talk to him about it, and John agrees. He goes to their church, and the Catholic priest sprinkles water on him and says, you were born a Methodist, you were raised a Methodist, and now you are a Catholic. Finally, with their problem solved, there is peace in the neighborhood until the next Friday when they smell beef cooking again, they are bewildered by this. Did John not understand what it meant to convert? So they go over to John's house and they arrive just in time to see their newly converted neighbor sprinkle water onto the meat and say, you were born a cow, you were raised a cow, and now you are a fish. How's that to start your Lent? You might not say that John misunderstood the scriptures because eating fish is more of a tradition than a teaching from scripture, but there are plenty of examples throughout history of people getting it wrong. Uh, George Lyle Uh, Lived in Georgia just before the American Revolution. He was converted to Christianity by a minister there who was a Baptist, but also loyal to the British. When war broke out, that minister was killed and George decided to stay in a British colony, so he moved to Jamaica. There he was able to make hundreds and hundreds of converts to Christianity. He has come to be known as the first missionary from the United States. He helped found the first Christian church in Jamaica and was instrumental in writing a Baptist covenant that would gain international attention for its importance. Seven generations later, George's great-great-granddaughter would also become, become a Baptist minister, the seventh generation in a row to do so. By most measures, people would consider his life an incredible success. But there's one important fact I left out. George was an African-American slave who had been freed by that Baptist minister who died. He left America during the war because he would have been captured and re-enslaved if he didn't. When he went to Jamaica, his preaching immediately drew crowds because a freed slave speaking with such conviction was such a novel thing to begin with. All of George Lyle's successes came despite incredible hardships, despite a world that said he was less important than others because of the color of his skin. Today, many of us recognize that skin color isn't a deciding factor in a person's worth. Yet, during the American Revolution, plenty of people would have told you it was, and that they knew it was because of what the Bible said. They would point to the curse of Ham in Genesis 9, and the Apostle Paul who said, Servants obey God. Uh, be obedient to your masters. We know this is wrong today. It is a gross misreading of scripture to say that it supported and justified American slavery. But when you go into reading the Bible already believing certain things, you can find a way to justify just about anything that you believe. Nazis used it to keep Germany in line following their propaganda. Hundreds of years prior, scripture was used to justify wars between Catholics and Protestants, leading to the deaths of millions. There was the Inquisition, which led to people being declared as heretics and killed for their beliefs. Before that were the Crusades, where hundreds of thousands of people over centuries fought for land and wealth in the name of Jesus. Over and over, a misunderstanding and misuse of scripture led to devastating consequences. For the skeptic, they look at these events and say religion is no good. They say the Christian faith has actively harmed people and religion itself is the problem. I would say those folks in history fundamentally misunderstood the scriptures but the problem is we are just as susceptible to do doing the same thing today how we read the bible has a profound impact on the world it did then and it will continue to do so today as well if we are going to read and study the scriptures especially in this lenten season it is absolutely imperative that we do it right One of my favorite teachers I had in grad school says that each generation needs to read the scriptures and interpret it for themselves. In doing so, they're able to return to Christ and figure out how their generation can best serve Jesus. We need to do the same today. The problem, of course, is that understanding scripture can be really, really hard to do. Some might even say it's so hard, let's just not read the scriptures. Let's Let the pastor do it for us. Now, that is an important job that I have. I don't just run the church. Pastors read, interpret, and teach the scriptures so we don't make the same mistakes throughout history. If we're heading off course, it's not just me, though. It's all of us and our leaders who need to speak up. The more we as a church read and study and grow, the better off we'll be, the more our church will reflect Jesus Christ. We have to ask ourselves, how have we erred? How can we return to the mission and ministry God has for us? Uh, There's a a joke about a man who was at a big church revival. He went up to the front to get prayer, and the pastor asked, What do you want prayer for? And the man answered, Please pray for my hearing. So the pastor sticks his finger right in the man's ear, lays his hand on his head, and, and prays loudly for his healing. After he finishes, he pulls his finger out and asks, How's your hearing now? And the man replies, I don't know, it's not until next Tuesday at the county courthouse. <laughs> oh, it took a second. Making sure we understand the scripture is like making sure we know a person's problem first. It is fundamentally important. Even just the slightest error can send us off course. So how do we do that? How do we stay on course? The way to do that is to read the scriptures, interpret it rightly, and apply it consistently to our lives. So let's look at what Jesus says about the religious leaders of his time. Why does he issue these woes or curses to them? What have they gotten so fundamentally wrong that Jesus rebukes them? In Jesus's time, these religious leaders fancied themselves as the spiritual successors of of Moses. Moses was the greatest leader Israel ever had, leading the Jewish people out of captivity in Egypt, receiving the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai, and he was called the traditional author of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. So, like most people, they are associating themselves with the best leader around, the best tradition. They feel good about themselves because they aren't like the bad ones, they are the good guys. But Jesus says, do what the religious leaders teach, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. The first point from Jesus is that you can't just know the law or know the faith. You have to live it out. Obeying the scriptures is just as important as learning about it. So this is the first key for us. Do we hear and read and study the scriptures only to turn around and keep living our lives in exactly the same way? Does coming to church and being a part of a Bible study and doing missions work through Kumak and Family Promise change the priorities in your life? Do you hear about what God values and then do that in your own life? Obey the scriptures. Don't just study it. Learn it and then live it. The religious leaders, though, are hypocrites. We didn't read this particular verse in this chapter today, but it's one of my favorites. Jesus says they cross land and sea to make a single convert and make the new convert twice as much a child of hell as you yourselves. That is a brutal rebuke from Jesus. He says they tithe the exact amount they should and maybe even a little extra just in case. Back then it was food, but today it would be like tithing even on money that is being saved for retirement. You don't have to tithe on that now because it's being invested. You'll tithe on that when you actually get the money, right? But they would do it anyways, just in case. Yet they neglect what really matters, justice and mercy and faith. He says they are like cups that are clean on the outside, but all dirty on the inside. They are lovely, well-kept graveyards that you know have rotting flesh inside. Now, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't say, tithing doesn't matter. You should have worked for justice. And he doesn't say, the outside of the cup doesn't matter. You should have cleaned the inside. No, Jesus says you got to do both. Tithe and bring justice. Clean the inside and the outside of the cup. The point is that the little details do matter. It's important to get the little stuff right. But if you get the little things right and the big things wrong, what good is that? Today we would say they have missed the forest for the trees. My dad would say you got a major on the majors and minor on the minors. In another part of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The point there is that sacrifice would have been an animal killed and offered to God. According to Jesus, then, that ritual act bringing the sacrificial animal to God is way less important than having a right relationship with God and caring for the poor and oppressed. The animal sacrifice only matters when the relationship with God and people is right. If it's wrong, then the ritual act is essentially meaningless. The same is true here. If you only follow half the rules that God has laid out or half clean with an unclean heart, what good is that? You've got to get things all the way Right? before these smaller details of religion and ritual even make a difference. I think this is a huge point when it comes to how we read the scriptures. What are the most important rules when it comes to our faith? Some might say that our faith has to be rooted in Jesus. Others, that we have to evangelize others, sharing the good news of Jesus with the world. There's plenty of scripture to support both of those important ideas, but they aren't what's most important. What is most important is answered directly by Jesus, just the chapter before the one we read today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So when you are thinking about a faith rooted in Jesus, about evangelizing others, it absolutely has to go through the prism of loving God and loving others first. That's what was so wrong with all these other historical failures in Christianity. You can't love people when you are declaring war against them. I wouldn't think I have to state the obvious here, but you can't murder someone and say you are loving them. Those two things don't go together. In the American West, during the pioneer days, Native Americans were baptized and forced to live in missions. If they tried to leave, they were hunted down and shot. That is a twisted and evil thing. Today things aren't quite as obvious. Now we are a lot sneakier. One example is related to caring for the sick and poor. You can't tell them it's their own fault they are sick or poor and they have to figure it out on their own. Loving these people means you help them And not just in the ways that make you feel good, but don't really make a difference. You have to provide immediate needs like food and clothing and medicine. But then you also have to do the deeper, harder work of making structural changes to our society to reduce poverty and sickness. It's not one or the other. It's both. This is the call of Jesus over and over. These are not easy things to answer here. The scriptures tell us loving God and people is the first rule, so all other rules have to be interpreted through that one. If we don't, then our lives are filled with curses, Imagine what our lives might look like if we met immediate needs and worked for structural changes all the time. Imagine how that would change our interactions with others, how it would change what we do at work and at school. I was meeting with one of the staff members here at Grace, and we got on the subject of talking about other people when they aren't there. I know a lot of people struggle with this, and partly because we need friends and family to help us process what happens to us. We need someone to tell us if we are making a mountain out of a molehill or misunderstanding a situation. But retelling someone about a situation can very very easily turn into a gripe session or gossip. So in that meeting, this is what I told the other staff person. I always talk about another person as though they are right there in the room with me. I just don't engage with the thoughts and ideas beyond that. And this person was really impressed with that and asked, where did you come up with that? That's brilliant. I actually didn't know. I assumed it was a professor of mine, but I kept rolling it around in my head for a few days when I finally remembered, you know who taught me to talk about people as though they are in the room right there with you? It was my mother. God bless her. Treating people with respect, even when they aren't there with you, is what real love looks like. That's what a good mom teaches us. It is fundamentally what the Pharisees and religious leaders got wrong in their time. They acted one way in public and another behind closed doors. Their hypocrisy was a fatal flaw that separated what they read in the scriptures from what they did with their lives. We cannot let that be true of us. We have to get the big stuff right and be consistent with it in every part of our lives. That is the Lenten challenge for all of us. Let's end here. Uh, Heather Burke Cody writes about soul nudges and heart tingles. That's how she describes God speaking to us sometimes. And we know it's God when it lines up with God's word and leads to love. She was thrift shopping for dorm stuff one day. The cashier appeared to be one of the most unhappy, maddest people ever. Heather was six people deep in line and it seemed like she got more and more exasperated with each passing customer. She was especially upset when one of Heather's unmarked items needed a price check, but as the cashier rang up her items, Heather felt a nudge. She tried to bargain with Jesus She often carries around an extra bit of cash just in case, and she told God that extra money was not meant for that cashier. It should go to someone sweeter and kinder, more deserving, or at the very least, someone who would appreciate it, not someone downright mean and angry. But God was not negotiating that day. Heather paid her bill and reluctantly found the extra cash in her wallet. She slipped the woman some cash as she was given her receipt. And the cashier was caught off guard by the gesture. She, she gripped the folded bill with one hand and paused. Her loud, stern voice got quiet when she whispered, Why? To which Heather said, God wanted you to have it. There was another pause. She grabbed Heather's hand and held on. The woman told her, Today is my 75th birthday, and nobody called me. Not my sister, none of my kids. None of these people here, nobody, nothing. I don't think I can remember ever being so sad. But the Lord remembered that day. And because Heather knows that at the very center of God's word is God's love poured out for the world, She was able to share this one gentle reminder to a gruff cashier that God still loves her. It's easy to misinterpret God's word. It's easy to judge others and ignore the priorities set by God. But when we understand the scriptures and follow through on what they tell us to do, then the world moves closer to God's ideal. We inch closer to the kingdom of God right here as we prioritize the right things. Jesus says, you're cursed if you focus too much on the little stuff, but perhaps even worse than that, when we hear the scriptures and ignore it, we'll never love people as they need to be loved. We'll miss out on the fullness of life God has for us as we care for others. Don't let that be true for you. In this Lenten season, study the scriptures to learn to grow, and to love like Jesus loves. Amen? Amen.
0: For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.